The following is a production of Art Trap Productions and is made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also brought to you by Doctor Who Podshock, the premier international and oldest Doctor Who podcast. Check it out at podshock.net. Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. With Dave Cooper and myself, Louis Trapani. For you. They kept asking me questions about you. I know. What have you done with the house? Let me in. Let me see oh, the girls. Not letting them out. They can't come outside. I won't let, let them. Let me in. They're Mom, tell her to stop. I'm working with these people, and we're gonna stop this. I'm leaving town with them, and we've got some things to do. But I'll come back as soon as I can. Hello. There are two children that that I believe might be in danger. Melanie and and Alice Drummond. Confirmed. I found Esther Drummond. The pathway to Torchwood's open and clear. Follow her to Harkness. Do what you like with the others. Who is there to speak for the living? When the White House is silent? The Vatican is silent? The scientists are silent? Well, I am not. Ah, 2,700 miles. Wow, look at the horizon! We reach the edge of America. Decades since I saw the Pacific. Must be about 70 years. Are you kidding me? You say things like that? Oh, 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 I wonder. Can't get rid of you, can I, dead man walking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, let me ask you something. What is this dead is dead? It's the latest campaign. As if Oswald Danes wasn't bad enough. This one's led by Ellis Hartley Monroe. She thinks we should treat people who should have died as if they're already dead. This would be the solution. We bring them all here, all the emergency patients en masse. So we just put everyone inside and close the door? Do you know what they used to call that in the old days? A plague ship. Let me stress this. I just don't trust the hospitals recently. Please, there's gotta be something you can do. Look, I've gotta go. Okay, I'm busy. They, they really need me, we're on a mission. And that's some clips from Torchwood, Miracle Day, Escape to L.A. Hello, Dave. Hello. 
Oh, fine. I think I would like to be in L.A. at the moment. Uh, we're having a pretty dismal summer here. It looks lovely. Of course, I've been there once. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we've been there a few times for Gallifrey, uh, the annual Gallifrey One convention that takes place every February there for Dr. Hugh Pachak. And um, I mean, it's great to go there during the wintertime because it's, uh, it's to escape New York weather and go to L.A. weather. The, the last couple of years have been um, not, well... I mean, it, it was still. I mean, it's still better than New York weather, but it's uh, was in the in the fifties or in. What happens is it's in the, like the seventies and eighties, like right up into the week before Gallifrey, and then we sort of blame it on all the people from the UK coming over. <laughs> they bring the weather with Indeed. them because all of a sudden the yeah. temperatures drop to the fifties that week of Gallifrey one, and then after the, after Gallifrey one's over, it com- seems to go back to the seventies and eighties again. So it's very bizarre. So um, it was a, a real change. Well, well, we'll get into the story in a minute and the spoilers and all that. But uh, it certainly looked a change of seeing the bright light. Well, not the bright shiny lights, but the sunlight of uh, LA. Big shift in uh, this episode, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, you bring up a good point. First of all, let's just warn everyone that we're reviewing this episode of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. We are reviewing. I would like to say the latest episode, but depending on where you're located, that may not be true. It's the latest episode in the UK. It's Torchwood Miracle Day, episode four, Escape to L.A. And uh, it premiered on Stars last Friday, um, the Friday before yesterday, that is. And uh, it was it premiered in, in, um, in the UK on BBC on Thursday. So we're... St- trying to keep ourselves in sync with the UK so that we can be inclusive to uh, to everyone. I know that might be off-putting for those that are in the US and Canada and Australia that I've been seeing um, that, you know, we are essentially a week behind everyone else because of it. Um, I don't know, but I, I thought that would be the fairest thing to do as far as um, trying to be inclusive. But Well, it is British sci-fi, the yeah. name of the show. I mean, it's... Uh, Sticking true to the show's title. Well, that's what I thought as well. So be that as it may, we are reviewing the current episode in the UK, last week's episode in the US and elsewhere. So, And also gives time for people. Not everyone catches that episode the, the very day it's released on Friday. So it gives people to, catch, to watch it, maybe watch it again and ponder upon it. And um, the only trouble is that when we, you know, when we do the show, then there's a new episode out already. So now everyone's already thinking about the new one. So, but that's the way it is. So uh, let me give the f- the usual spoiler alert. Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 You know, there, there was a time when I didn't have a sound effect for spoilers. <laughs> now I have, because of River Song, I have an abundance of <laughs> spoiler sound effects. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so anything past this point now would be spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen episode four of Torchwood Miracle Day, Escape to L.A., um, watch it before you listen to the rest of the show. Um, well, I, I should say, uh, has there been anything outside of the the, re- the actual review of the show or anything concerning future episodes? But has there been any other Torchwood news since last week? I, I don't think there has been. Uh, not for me, but on the other hand, I do try and avoid it when I'm in the middle of a series. Yeah, well, that's, that's fact, the I trouble with yeah. with doing this because I don't. 
Uh, I still haven't even seen the new episode that we're going to be reviewing next week, so I don't want no, I, I, I don't want to run into spoilers. So I try to um, stay on top of the news, but avoid the news at the same time. <laughs> I know that sounds like an oxymoron there, but it's uh, I don't know anything that that I sense is spoilery that might be talk that might be speaking of the current episode, especially being that. Essentially, I'm a week behind in the U.S. Um, because I'm synchronized to the U.K. for for this show. I'm I'm extra careful now. All right. Well, let's yeah. um, w- let's talk about this episode, which again is um, ex- episode four, Escape to L.A. And I, I guess I'll go right to the title of the episode, Escape to L.A., because here. Uh, well, before I do that, let's just um, um, let me just remind everyone that is um, it was written by Jim Gray and John Shabin, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, who I believe is an executive producer of the series as well. It, it was a story by Jim Gray, but I, I think they they both written the teleplay for this, and it's directed once again. Shaban is it? Shaban. I I apologies if I'm mispronouncing it. Uh, it's directed once again by Billy Gerhardt, who uh, directed the last two episodes. Uh, I mean, directed all, so far has directed all of them except for episode one. Uh, again, we're we're in, this we've, our show today is just per, going up to episode four. So anything that that, that <laughs> we're, we're not covering episode five yet. So as it has the whole cast is reunited, you know, from the previous episodes uh, with an addition of a guest cast member, C. Thomas Howell, who's added to the cast um, for this episode as a guest cast member. And you may remember his, you may, for sci-fi fans, you may remember him from some previous science fiction work, a little movie he did called E.T., which he was, um, well, looked quite different he was one of the youngsters on uh on on the on the bicycles and cycling away he's he's done a whole slew of other movies especially big movies back in the in in, you know the i guess the late 70s early 80s i think he was in the outsiders and um a few others not soul man red dawn gettysburg yeah uh, war of the worlds yeah, recently he did, uh, around the same time, maybe shortly before the Steven Spielberg remake of War of the Worlds, there was another remake that was on the sci-fi channel, now called Siffy, uh, they, which he starred in, which um, I started watching, and I'm, and this is, uh, I started, this is, when was that? A few years ago, when War of the Worlds was remade, I, I, maybe five uh, years ago? 2005, 2005, I think. Wow, okay, so six years ago. So I was watching that and I'm looking for C. Thomas Howell. And I haven't, even though he's been working steadily since, I hadn't seen him in, a, in anything for about a good 20 years or so. I, I, um, the Hitcher might have been the last thing I've seen him in, which he was in with uh, Rector Hauer from Blade Runner. And he, was, oh, yeah. he was in that movie. So, you know, so I didn't realize he, you know, he's, he's grown up. <laughs> so, you know, he's gray haired and... Uh, you know, is been out in the sun, is a few wrinkles in the skin and all that. So I, I was, I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, that's C. Thomas Howell, the main character there. So, uh, so anyway, if, if if that was the case for you watching Torchwood, he was the, I, I don't know if he had a name. He was the, essentially the assassin or the guy that was, um, that was tracking Torchwood. Torchwood tracker. Torchwood yeah. tracker. 
So he played that character. And as I, as the title says, it's, it's, it's escape to LA. So we tortured finds itself in Los Angeles. And unless I missed it, we don't know why. I mean, no, they, they were unclear. I thought they were just going somewhere where, you know, as far away as they could not to be traced. But it then turns out that the, the very, uh, computer headquarters that they decide that they have to go and raid to get um, one of the raid <laughs> raid to get the raid out um, <laughs> is actually nearby so yes the, I don't think the letters on that but they had actually gone to that place within it, distance of it yeah I mean it makes no sense that you think this, if they're trying to avoid you know well I guess maybe I don't know I mean you, you would think you know, if they're trying to be avoid any any place where it's going to be a population center, you would avoid anything like Los Angeles or New York. Or um, if if they're just going to escape from Washington, it just makes no sense for them to go to Los Angeles. We, as you said, then we learn that that since they're there, yes, this um, um, FICOR has a uh, a headquarters there. I don't know if it's their main headquarters, but they have. Yeah, it's basically their computer farm, isn't it? They're, yeah. Uh... So it, it, then it works out advantageous, it, advantageously for them that they're there, and um, you know then they take advantage of the situation. And um, we assume, speaking of the C. Thomas Harrell character, the the tortured tracker guy, uh, we assume since we first see him spotting Esther when Esther's checking on his her sister in the beginning of the ver- of this episode. Uh, again because all of a sudden the next time we see him he's in Los he's in Los Angeles as well so we can only assume that he followed her somehow but it seems a bit hard to believe how he would just kind of I mean I mean they, they made Esther out to be like a, a well com- complete well Rex plot, does so. say Rex does say you know you could have compromised the position when he finds out that she actually did physically go on Mesa yeah, I mean that Rex blames her, and that's kind of ties it together. But it, in in reality, Rex really doesn't know. I mean, there's no evidence that it was her. For all Rex knows, it could have been him. He went to go visit his father. Maybe uh, he was seen there. You know, so mm. it, you know. It, well, they're all doing that, if you notice, because uh, Gwen, Gwen Cooper, uh, when they when they uh, find this uh, uh, place to rent in L.A. She goes out and uh, she makes a personal phone call, uh, which is the one where, you know, it, at the very end of that clip you just played, it says, you know, Torchwood located. Um, they're each uh, having their own little private things. Uh, obviously, Captain Jack, his private one was the, the was the phone call he made to Gwen that we referred to in last week's episode yeah. where he was feeling um, quite uh, morose and... Uh, after his um, his conquest, or whatever you want to call it, and is yeah. uh, uh, having second thoughts about the loss of Yanto and the fact that really there was only him and Gwen that were anybody he cared about. I mean, obviously the Doctor, but the, he he assumes the Doctor's off world, and, and yeah, and obviously we don't uh, mix the two. Um, 
Torchwood can go into Doctor uh, Who, but Doctor uh, Who can't go into uh, Torchwood. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you can put you can put chocolate and peanut butter, but you can't put peanut butter in chocolate. There's a Captain Jack <laughs> joke in there somewhere, but so, I you know there's something in there. <laughs> yeah. So, but as you say, last week, which we spoke about, was about establishing their relationships, you know, with one another, one, you know, with each other, and this seems to carry that forward a bit further, you know, with um, staying in contact with family. You know, with um, Gwen and, and Reese and over the phone and Esther and her sister. And here we have Rex and and his father. So it, it's sort of um, continuing that thread with. And, and speaking of relationships, we see a change in the relationship with uh, Jilly Kissinger towards Oswald Danes in this episode. It seems like all up until this point. She seems to be enthralled with him, not 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 enamored like some of the fans, if you want to use that term that he has, you know, these people that that. Oh, did you did you see Oswald? Did you touch him? Did you know he's not not that type? But um, I guess she was pursuing him for the sake of Ficor. Uh, uh, getting him on board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And once that was established, now she can reveal her true feelings was that she doesn't really particularly care for him. But that seems to change on the dime because as. It, she seems not to care for him when he's losing, you know, because when that uh, uh, politician who I can't recall her name now, but when, when she was getting the limelight and getting the media attention, it seemed like that's when Jilly Kissinger was like, oh, well, you know, I, yeah. I don't like you. I don't like what, your hands and what they've been and, I, you know, and all that. But then as soon as he Oswald was on top again with the media, then she was all jumping and excited and, and you know, like right. I said, just... Well, Basically, you know, um, the, the, the other character was that Ellis uh, Hartley Munro, the, the yes, that's the one. lady, mm-hmm. uh, the dead is dead one. But um, I, th- I think what it was is that, um, and again, with Torchwood, you're always thinking that there are these different undercurrents. She was also uh, trying to uh, latch the, the, the Doctor character, wasn't she, uh, uh, Vera. Vera? So she, she had split duties. And I think what she was, uh, I mean... Again, with Torchwood, it might well be that she actually fancied the, the Doctor Vera. She seemed to be good in her company as well. But it may well be that she's playing the public relations card in both cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think but she is. When she's now found out that um, you know her permanent assignment is Oswald Danes, and she's got to keep stick close to him, uh, you know, be his personal, you know, get fetch a gopher or whatever you call them. Then she didn't quite like that. And also, it, it does show that she's a strong enough character. She's quite happy to say, no, I don't like you, but it won't stop me doing my job. And he probably is the sort of person would respect that. Because if she said that she liked him, he'd probably know she was lying to her teeth anyway. Well, I want to remind everyone that we do have a chat session going on while we're recording this live. If you go to TalkShoe.com and enter it's you can if you don't have an account there you can create a free account and um you can enter the chat session and and it's also there that you can put yourself in the queue and uh you can call the show by calling 724-444-7444 and the call id is 110825 or if it's easier 110825 is the call id so uh if you want to call in put yourself in the queue we're we're going to be talking about this episode, and we have more to say, and then we want to hear what you have to say with your live feedback. And and just looking at the chat session now, I see uh, Willis Girl had made a comment about that this episode showed the stu- stupidity of both Gwyn and Est- Esther. Both were 
you know, overwhelming in this episode as far as um, illustrating that. And I guess, you know, that there's a there's a point to that where um, both um, both of them were not really on their game, so to speak. But then again, is um, I mean, are, are any of them? But I th- I think, yeah, I think this episode kind of illustrated that. And Willis Gill put in text as well that because the cycle computer is in LA, which we said, and that's why they went there. But I must have missed the audio clue that they said they said before they arrived that that was their yeah, reason I, for choosing the destination. I didn't get that either. It seemed like they once they got there, it seemed like then they discovered it was there by coincidence. But unless there's some clue that was yeah, um, I, said before, I, I didn't catch it. It could it could have been some dialogue that got cut or a, a bosun that That's true, too. Yeah. You know, we're, when we watch these finished episodes, we you know, and we realize this with Doctor Who as well, that there's a bunch that gets cut out as well on the editing room floor. And sometimes um, there, there might be a little nugget of information that might have been um, changed and, you know, cut out and it doesn't make it to the final product. And maybe that's why certain things might not make any sense. Another thing that's not jiving for me is how does everyone accept the fact that Jack is mortal? I mean, we know, we assume that he is now because he's, uh, before he, um, I guess he didn't injure, because in the first episode, the, it became a relevation that um, he got cut and that was like his tip that he's uh, he can be injured now. He seems to be healing, but it just, I mean, that's the thing that kind of led him to believe that, okay, now he's changed as well. But why does everyone else believe that he's um, mortal? I mean, what evidence do they have to... Uh... Well, well, not everybody else. It's just presumably people in the know. I mean, uh, Reese is the one that, uh, in part two, put it to, together, or at least suggested that as a possible reason. I'm not too sure that is the reason, but it, 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 it certainly is a, a working theory that they're hanging on. And I'm not sure everybody else thinks it. Well, um, but the, the those that, that, that those that those that do know, those that are, you said, and, and you know, it's limited to those in the know. But how do they know? You know, it's it's kind of hard to prove. Well, you know, unless well, you kill him, get, it's hard to it's hard to to prove that he's mortal. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I mean, these people that and, and we, I mean, there's quite a lot in this episode. I don't know how far you want to move on through the story, but I mean. We, we learn that it's um, the families. These people are, are at least the group named the families. We also learn from that uh, person who, you know, catches uh, Gwen and Captain Jack uh, whilst they're uh, swapping the uh, the raid discs over, uh, and he comes on him, and uh, he he's a killer, a little bit like Oswald Danes. It's proving a bit of a um, a misery for him that people can't die, although of course he can still incapacitate them with his gun and that but he as you say he he knows that um presumably he's had strict instructions that he can't uh do anything to jack uh, jack mm-hmm. is some sort of key figure but he's got some theories he says you know i hear things and what did you do for them in the past and this that and the other so um the point yeah. is that the general public are the government are uh Certain authorities don't know uh, yeah. that uh, Jack is mortal. It's only we, the Torchwood team, believe it because that's the theory that they've come up with that Reese postulated. And these families and this hitman that represents them 
Well, we assume the, these families are what's behind um, FICOR is that, it, yeah. it, you know, and, and we still don't have well, a face to to them. In other words, um, right now, the the characters that we associate with FICOR are go-betweens, you know, sort of, um, you know, Jilly Kissinger and Oswald Danes now is, is seems to be the, the spokesperson for them. But we don't have a face to put on. There's no character that has been introduced to this point that represents the whoever is behind you know FICOR well there's in the whenever you get around to the second clip the um, the Ellis Hartley Monroe character uh, says she wants to speak to somebody so we get the name of somebody that she wants to speak to who may or may not be one of these families because uh, when it comes to the scene where uh, when Oswell Danes reasserts himself and goes into the hospital takes off his mask and shows you know, because as he says, I'm not going back to uh, anonymity now, uh, not going back to the mom. Uh, I'm not letting this person steal my thunder. They go to this press conference where the cameras were actually set up for him. Uh, but uh, this woman had grabbed the audience, as it were. And, um, uh, you know, it, it looks as though he's going to be back into obscurity. And he seizes the moment, goes in. Even then, his impassioned plea with them uh, doesn't... Uh, string through and other people say I know you are under the mask and he, he then takes this decision to you know take the mask off which is obviously symbolic of saying you know I'm committed to help you uh, and um, all that then swings back and these people then think well we don't need two of these and this Ellis Hartley Monroe character is dispatched rather uh, nastily something wrong something in my coffee it tastes a bit funny but the point is that before she drinks that coffee and before that fate happens, mm -hmm. uh, she says because she's been pushed away by Oswald Danes, she thinks she's being mistreated. She wants to go. And, you know, you hear this voice talking to her. So maybe that is the first clue mm -hmm. as to who these people are. But um, you, would I don't like know, you want to do one of your little. You, you would like to. We can play that clip that you mentioned since you were just talking about it. Okay. Right. You ever wonder why anyone considers me important? I'm sure someone's got a reason. Wouldn't you like to know what it is? Very much so. How much do you know about our masters at FICOR? Because I did a little searching of my own last night. I tried to find out who's above FICOR. Who owns them? And the strangest thing happened. The information just scattered away. That's when I recognized the pattern because I'd had a lot of experience perfecting how to hide myself online and suddenly I'm looking at someone else doing the same but on a massive scale. Central News, 3.30. Isn't that right? Finish. They canceled you. Book someone else. Who did they get? Ellis Hartley Monroe, the darling of the tea party. I think someone's got to say it. Dead is dead. Looks like you've got a rival. You better think of a line, Oswald. You'll be yesterday's news. Don't shoot. It's me, Dad. What the hell are you doing in my place? Getting these? You put them back. Those are mine. Looks like stolen property to me. You people. You already ruined the world, and now you want to take away a man's livelihood. Somehow this is my fault. You and your precious government. You changed the rules on us. Don't tell me this ain't some damn experiment. I don't want to live forever, especially like this. 
So to recap, there's over 100 dedicated servers identical to that one inside the five core building. Number 113 is a secure server accessible by only the highest corporate brass. That's our target. Our only option is to steal number 113 to physically take it and cover our tracks by leaving a duplicate in its place. Which is empty. So we damage it. Fire damage. Logan, dead is dead is hardly appropriate on hospital grounds. But this project demonstrates the bold thinking that we need in America. We have people in the right place. Those cameras were here for me. I know. The moment I lose my platform, I get thrown back to the mound. Dead is not dead. No, not anymore. Life is life. Oh, look at her. This little girl will live forever. And ever. And ever. Oswald. 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 Clear the schedule. It is Oswald 24-7 here on out. Yeah, and that's what you were saying about her being quite excited again that her mum was uh, in the thing. It must be uh, the, uh, the final clip that has that about the, the other lady. But uh, yeah. uh, there were some good points, I thought, in that little clip. Yeah, well, it brings me to just a minor pet peeve of mine with this episode is uh, is the press there in that hospital scene. He uh, Oswald Danes is in the in the hospital ward and talking with this patient and finds this orphan baby and becomes a photo op moment and all that. But the press is still outside, yet they seem to be able to see and hear everything that's going on in that hospital with, uh, without them being in there. It, it just, that's true. It, it seemed a little unbelievable there, you know, and then later on, uh, we could, maybe there's a big window there and that's how they're getting visuals. But, you know, how can they hear what he's saying, what's going on inside that room? It, it just seemed a little far-fetched. I, I think some of the gas was, of course, that they actually saw him rip the mask off and hold the baby up. So they may have just responded to his actions rather than his words. So uh, the director's playing playing two sides of that. But um, it's certainly, uh, you know, it, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of political intrigue in this as well. I mean, it's a psychological thriller, political intrigue. We've got the uh, the science fiction aspect of it, and at the moment it's almost. Um, I mean, it was hinted at last week, wasn't it? Because we were thinking, you think people will start thinking, you know, is this aliens at work or whatever? And um, no official word of that was mentioned. It was only one of the broadcast uh, talks that was on, and uh, uh, they were saying, well. Uh, you know, is this the work of aliens? Nobody's saying in the government. Everybody's keeping quiet. And I must admit, uh, if I if I was an American, I'd be a little bit thinking, I'm sure if this was a situation, you know, everybody would be saying, when's the president coming on TV and things like that? Well, Which, we, um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't seen that yet. We can, can assume that, that, you know, the president had addressed the nation, but not said anything substantial. Um, again, that's just an, an assumption. And then as far as the alien menace goes, is that they were, you know, alluding to that in the beginning of the series because of that's the only uh, because there's no technology on Earth that could have done what Miracle Day has done. So the natural assumption was that, oh, well, this is unworldly. So, um, you know, we don't have, you know, there's no technology you know, on this planet that can do something like that. And um, they but, haven't but, really been talking about that idea or concept um, in the more recent episodes, though. Yeah, but like Rex's father there, he thinks it's the government that's screwed up, you know, yeah. some, uh, some, you know, virus that they've let loose or something like that, you know, from 
one of these uh, facilities, secret facilities. Which, which is fitting because anytime there's something that goes unexplained and, you know, and it, you know, and, and it happens, um, you know, it, it's, it has happened, you know, here, you know, in the real world as well, where whether it's AIDS or something where people just start saying, oh, well, it's, Ebola, it's uh, some sort of government yeah. thing that went awry or, you know, so it's anything's possible. But we know, what we do know is that somehow Psychor is behind this and what we learn at the end of this episode is that and as you as you said when um and i forgot her name again that that the pilot the tea party politician ellis hartley munro thank you <laughs> when which i would like to say when she's killed but no one gets killed so when she's um um uh, entrapped into in, 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 yes canned when she's canned we uh we hear that voice that's from Psychor, Psychor. Uh, um, I keep on saying that on the telephone or whatever you know the, the communication it's from system. From the car, the car. Yeah, the, you know, so the families here. will be united again, or something to that to that effect. So we don't know who these fam. You know, and and also the C. Thomas Howell, Howell character, the 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 tracker guy said uh, right before he was, well, again not killed, but injured um incapacitated, incapacitated yeah. th- that this goes back to something uh, you know th- that this this goes back to jack's history to at um yeah to, uh, to to some extent you know what did you do for them yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting how this kind of all plays out but, and there's some nice new layers coming in just as you're thinking and then they need these extra layers because let's basically if they hadn't it could have been um, a five-episode series. And I think one or two of the people I've talked to and listened to when we've been sort of talking online or prior to doing another show or, or mm-hmm. before, thinking that, um, and, and I think it was mentioned on the first one we did here, that um, because it's a 10-episode one, there's got to be more complexity than, um, you know, series three, Children of Earth. In some ways... The the uh, denouement, or what you want to call it, it was quite simple. I won't say what it is here, just in case somebody hasn't seen Children of Earth. But basically, the reasons why the alien came to Earth was a fairly straightforward, if horrendous one. Mm-hmm. Where this seems to be building definitely more layers into what's well. Happening. What was mentioned and was it has to do with geography. You know, that was uh, a mention. You know, um, and and that kind of you know, threw off Jack as well. Like, so something, and again, this is just pure assumption and I, I don't, I shouldn't probably go here because, you know, I don't, if it is spoilers, you know, it's unintentional spoilers, but if it is some sort of alien threat or some aliens that, that are behind this, then uh, they're, they're here for, to make earth their, their own, um, you know, to make it their own. And they, it has the geography that they're looking for and um and they're trying to um i guess put the human race in order by by and essentially um you know doing this whole miracle day thing is um maybe you know um uh, i you know somehow this is going to work to their advantage again this is just Ooh. me I had a Assuming. Doctor Who moment then. It sort of made me think of uh, Madame Pompadour when she was ready. They, you know, they, why hadn't they used her? They were waiting there for her to be ready. She had to be a certain age and things. Yeah. But again, that might be spoiling some shut up again. <laughs> you don't say anything nowadays. It's terrible. <laughs> well, you know, um, I, I, again, I know 
Dave and myself are both staying away from any potential spoilers out there. And uh, and I'm trying to, uh, you know, I, I, I've been so far, I've been in um, sync with the UK transmissions of these episodes. So, um, you know, I, I try to avoid anything that I see or hear concerning the latest one on stars, you know, until we record this episode, at least. So that that doesn't influence what my review is on this episode, because I feel if I do watch the latest one, it might it might somehow hinder, not, not hinder, but affect this review. Yeah, well, I think I'd like to say at this point as well is we're we're very much focusing on the how the plot's opening up and developing and uh, and how the things are progressing and the pacing. Uh, but I absolutely have to say that uh, the casting has been excellent with this. I can't, I, I don't think there's any person that uh, doesn't play their part well and could easily be someone with hidden depths because obviously. You know this. Uh, well, the Jill, Jilly Kissinger character, I suppose that's the one that seemed to be a bit of a ditzy girl at the beginning, you know, and uh, a, a bit you know, one-dimensional and self-seeking. And she seems to be quite a sinister character. Um, but um, I have the, the a feeling she's going to. I'm loving. I have a feeling she's going to turn around somehow. I, I, I think you know. Right now, she seems to be very manipulative, and you know, and and playing everyone. But I, I have a feeling that somehow in the end. She's gonna play a Whistle pivotal, or something, yeah. play a pivotal role, and and as you say, they they introducing these other characters. We don't know whether or not Esther's sister would is gonna play a part in it in the future, or or you know they they went out of the way to uh, introduce um, um, Rex's father in this episode. So you know we don't know if we've seen the last of him either, but we know that he you know they they they're making the characters multi dimensional. That you know even Rex has family, even though he won't admit it. And, uh, you know, and has feelings there. And he decides to go visit his father once um, the Tea Party lady, who I never remember her name, was on television and said that the dead is de- the dead are dead. And it's on- they're only they're only w- waiting to be once this miracle day is over, the, 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 the death will catch up to them. And that's when he sort of heal- he, he 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 hears that and he f- puts his hand on his chest where his wound is. And, uh, you know, we're reminded of that, that he's one of the dead is dead. And um you know, so he, yeah. th- he feels this is his chance. You know, he doesn't know how much time he really does have because once this miracle day is resolved, if it is, he's assuming that he's going to probably die. So he wants to well, make well, amends with his father. Well, the other thing is as well, this, these overflow camps. I mean, one of the things that, that is mentioned uh, towards the end of the episode, and it's in this episode, that, um, you know, um, they're moving these people to the camps as though they own them. As though basically these undead, if you want to call them, that people who can't die, uh, are basically a crop that is being um, collected and harvested and uh, put into these hospitals. Are these going to be hospitals? Are they going to be factories? Maybe mass producing chemicals, uh, drugs. Uh, but the point is that um, it can't be something they want in the long term because um, although people are being born, there are new people being born. This surely is going to be a situation where instead of having 8% of the population healthy, uh, you know, 10% uh, should be dead and aren't dead. I mean, that's going to go. I think we mentioned this briefly last week that that you're going to be a stage where 50% of the people Mm -hmm. on the planet are either going to be uh, completely uh, in need of painkillers to actually cope 
they certainly won't be productive individuals and they will be basically um, the end product, you know, the, uh, the horse meat at the end of it. Well, you know, it was set up in the beginning where we're going to, uh, the, 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 the mortally injured are going to start outnumbering the, those that aren't. And, um, and eventually yeah. the food is going to disappear and people are going to be fighting over food. And, and, and there was some other things that that voice said at the end of um, this episode, which um, leads us to, uh, to think that there's um, more that was revealed in this episode that, that, that we, you know, we might need to dig into a little bit more because um, they said that, that, um, that politicians hand, you know, had revealed more of their hand that they were willing to that that they, that, that they wanted to. We've got a couple of great quotes here in the in the text from Captain Rum Overflow Camps, invented by John Barrowman, who's overflowing with camp. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Willis Gill, psycho meds are made of people. <laughs> Excellent. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break and we'll come right back with your feedback. So, again, call us at 724-444-7444 is the number to call while we're doing this live. And once you do call, you'll be asked for the talk um, show, show call ID number, which is 110825. 2011, August 25th. Are we doing a show then? That will be our number. Wow. <laughs> So, actually, I think that's the middle of the week. But um, anyway, so give us a call or go to talkshow.com and join the, um, you know, the chat there and put yourself in the queue and, and we'll get to hear from you. In the meantime, I want to remind everyone about Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from, and that covers every genre, be it thrillers, sci-fi, fantasy, business, romance, you know, you name it, they have it covered. Audible titles will play on your iPhone. And by the way, Gwen has an iPhone <laughs> in this episode, for those that are keeping track of such things, such as myself. Uh, but again, Audible will play on Gwen's iPhone as well as your iPhone or your Kindle or Android phone, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you listeners of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Audible is offering a free audiobook for you to try out or for, with your free 14-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. And that book is yours to keep whether you decide to continue or not. And to download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash British, British Sci-Fi. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. That's one word, no hyphen in the sci-fi. And you'll be able to uh, select any title you like there. Uh, you can browse there. Once you go to the website, you can browse the large library there. And since we are covering Torchwood, we've been refer we've been recommending Torchwood titles. In the last few episodes, we've been going back to some early Torchwood audiobooks that were released in 2007. And now we're jumping a little ahead here. We're going to um, a couple years back to uh, Torchwood Golden Age. And Golden Age is um, written by James Goss, and it's narrated by John Barrowman, Eve Miles, and Gwyneth David Lloyd. So, uh, Gareth. <laughs> Gareth David Lloyd. I'm sorry about that. It takes place in Delhi, in India. The, it's, they're on a trail of this dangerous energy field, and Torchwood is led to Delhi, where they witness uh, simultaneously uh, hundreds of people are disappearing. 
and Jack di discovers that it centers on an old colonial mansion there, Torchwood, India. So that sounds pretty interesting. This is um, a little bit from it here. Okay, Jack. I'm in position. Can you see anything? Not yet. It's not easy with this many people around. Wait a minute. There's a steam train pulling in. The last time I rode a steam train in India must have been 80 years ago. They're unloading something. Uh, High-tech looking metal crates. It's got to be the shipment from Silicon Valley. Can you see who's collecting it? I'll have to zoom in. The guy who's paying is handing over a bag. I can't quite see. It looks like he's paying in rubies. Rubies? Great. <laughs> We've got to find out where those crates are going. Just hacking into the courier's PDA. They are addressed to... Captain Jack Harkness. That's got to be someone's idea of a joke. <laughs> Yanto, I need you back here. Quick! We've got trouble. Torchwood. Outside the government, beyond the police. Fighting for the future on behalf of the human race. 21st century's when everything changes. And Torchwood is ready. Oh, that's a little bit from uh, Golden Age. And as you can hear, it's not just a it's not a book narration. It's a BBC radio dramatization with John Barrowman, and Eve Miles and uh, Gareth David Lloyd playing their respective characters. It's uh, pretty interesting. I mean, it's not in other words, it's it's basically an audio drama, you know, it, with sound effects and uh, opening titles and sort of miss that opening monologue by Jack there now in the in the new series. So this could be your selection. It's, that's Torchwood Golden Age. And once again, you can get this or any title you like by going to audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi for your free audio book. Excellent. Yeah, I'm pretty um, psyched to um, to to listen to that. Well, we're going to get back to our review of Torchwood Miracle Day, which is um, we're reviewing episode four, Escape to L.A., which um, is, um, again, which was is the most current one in the U.K. And we have one. Um, and I want to thank Dave once again for putting these clips together. He's done a, an incredible job and um, skillfully done. And I really it does take a lot of time to do. So uh, hats off to Dave once again for that. Cheers. So we're going to um, I'm going to play another clip and then put yourself. I think we have one caller in the queue. But if you want to call in 724-444-7444 is the number and the call number call ID number for the show is one one zero eight two five. No hotel first. Then I need to see Mr. Coolidge. This coffee tastes kind of weird. What do you want? I need the biometrics, which means firstly your voice. The next thing I need is the palm of your hand and then one of your eyes, but just one. No. 
Who are you? Delivery. I don't have anything on my schedule. Yes, our document shredder had crapped out. We had to rush a new one. Send it on up. You went by the house. You've compromised the security of the entire mission. Yes. I've lost her. What the hell just happened? Gwen. Rex, it's 33 floors. That's 66 flights of stairs, and you've got a ruptured chest. Oh, man. Ah. What happened? I did. Who the hell are you? Names aren't important right now. Oh, great. He's cryptic. What do you want? Well, clearly, you did. He's the only man that can die, then it's in your interest to keep him alive. That's exactly what I'm doing. Haven't you noticed the absence of killing? You're very special to them, Jack. What did you get them so long ago? Those names. He was just about to tell us. Anybody? Thanks. And you shot him in the throat. Truth of it is, we liked your message, Mrs. Monroe. But we already have Oswald Dance. And certain aspects of your strategy were revealing our hand just a little too soon. And we have been planning this so carefully for such a long time. Because we are everywhere. We are always. We are no one. And soon, the families will rise. Thanks again for saving my ass yesterday. The maniac said it was someone you knew. Not that easy when you've lived through thousands of years. They'll keep talking that kid, huh? Calling them overflow camps for all the patients in ICU. Looks like five cars taking charge of them, like they own them. Dad, what is it? What's happened? I got him onto that scheme, top of the list. What scheme? Government stepped in to prop up the NHS. Overflow camps? Aye, that's it. Move! Don't let them go. Just get him back. When? It's too late. I've got my dad. Oh. And uh, two things. One, uh, that the name that uh, the lady referred to as Mr. Coolidge. Mm -hmm. So we don't know whether he's one, uh, the link to the fa another link to the family that we'll find more out mm -hmm. about next week. And uh, for when Robert does come on, we are only talking up to this episode, no nothing for any future episodes that we haven't seen. And the other one is, do you not think that the voice talking to uh, uh, Munro was... Sounded a bit like Morgan Freeman type of... Yeah, I, I did, in fact. It sounded, you know, I know it's not him, but it did echo his voice, his the way he um, just, his, like, you know, just the tone of his voice, yes. I thought so as well. I thought it was just me that noticed, this, noticed that, but I'm glad I'm no. not alone. <laughs> I wonder if they deliberately did that, you know, to get, you know, they wanted to get a, his type of voice and, um, and they sourced him out somehow. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. And it's, uh, it might turn out. I mean, again, this is not spoiling some only. It might turn out that that voice we hear ends up being the, pre the. It might be the president. You know, when 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 they do eventually show the president talking to the nation, we think well, that's a familiar voice. Yeah, it might be that voice that we heard. But again, that's not spoiling. That's just, just me speculation. Having a fabulously educated guess. <laughs> so. Um, Captain Rum in, in our chat session said that uh, it's a, a great Morgan Freeman impersonator out of those uh, whose voice we heard in commercials. It, it's true. There are, there are commercials, uh, uh, television commercials in the U.S. that have uh, Morgan Freeman sound alikes, you know, speaking on them. It's, uh, you know, he has one of those distinctive voices, you know, uh, like James Earl Jones and, uh, you know, other people that you sort of can pick out, uh, you know, distinctively by their <laughs> voice. 
I always remember the actor who played Worf. Um, I oh, think Michael Dorn. He always wanted to do the uh, J- uh, James Earl Jones gig. <laughs> I can do that, he said. He could. Was America or something, the voice of America. What I, it was he said. I know in the uh, in the Star Wars radio series, it was Brock Peters, I think, did the voice of, of Darth Vader there. And he had a he has another distinctive, you know, voice. And um, it, it's uh, just out of coincidence. I'm just realizing that they're all black actors. So I, but we're not singling them out. I'm there. Um, they're actors of all races that have distinctive voices. It's the deep bar- baritone voice yeah. that comes across. But anyway, uh, I, I was listening to him. I think it's is that Morgan. Perhaps they're going to have him as a guest star in the final episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, it's a sound alike, but it yeah, definitely it is, yeah. has that that tone to it. Gravitas. But but here that voice that the families will rise. So again, I you know immediately started thinking. You you thought of a, a different Doctor Who episode. I was thinking of um, Family of Blood. Family you know, Blood. <laughs> and I was thinking of those families. Like ah, oh, they're here on Earth again, and these are the uh, families we're dealing with. But I I don't somehow I I I, I suspect that Russell T Davies isn't going to bring back a Doctor Who villain in here. I, I no. think. Um, no. wh- whoever is behind this is something, even though it's being alluded to that it was someone from Jack's past, I think it's going to be something new and that we haven't seen, you know, before. Yeah, it certainly has. I mean, the other, the other, other obvious candidate would be the silence. So they're not going to use that. So I think they'd steer completely clear of it. It's, this is, um, it's a, a parallel universe in, in terms of the threats that it has. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going to go to the queue, and um, we have Robert Kerry King in the queue, and we'll have to hear, we'll want to hear what he has to say. Hello, Robert, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you, Lewis. Hi, Dave. Hi, Robert. How are everybody doing today? We're doing fine. Now, yeah. you, you didn't make it onto some of the earlier shows, so do you want no, to briefly but I have talk about. To yeah. yeah, oh, good luck. Do you want to briefly talk about. How you feel as though the pacing of the the first three, build, and then perhaps talk more fully about this episode. Sure, I had to get this one line out before I oh. forget it. Um, the line from Goldfinger, where um, Bond um, says to Goldfinger, um, "Do you expect me to talk?" No, Mister Bond, I expect you to die. It's <laughs> a great line, and that's in reference to the scene from um, later on where one of the um, um, mob decide not to go with Goldfinger and um, gets crushed in the um, um, the car gets crushed up. And oh yes, one of the, uh, the mobsters, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very similar to what happened in this episode. So I wanted to get that line out before I forgot it. But yeah, um, I mean, so far I'm in, enjoying it, and it, it seems to be that a lot of people either they like the first episode and wasn't too crazy about the second episode or like the second episode it wasn't too crazy about the first episode and I, I'm in the camp where I like the second um, episode it felt more Torchwood to me yes definitely and I do agree that it should have been one whole episode instead of splitting the, the two up I do, I do agree with that situation but that's what um, Dave has been saying all along yeah 
Yeah. I um, understand the pacing of the way this um, series is going because it, it's very much, you know, similar to Children of Earth um, in a sense that, you know, you got one story that you're trying to stretch into five episodes. This one you have one story that you're trying to stretch into ten. Now, you know, doing my own podcast um, and listening to other people's podcasts, because I do, because, you know, I like to get the broad spectrum of what people feel um, about Torchwood, Miracle Day so far, and it, it's been kind of mixed because um, there's some podcasts that really feel that this story is going way too slow and that it really needs to start picking up the pace before they start losing viewers. And then on the other side of the pond, you have people that are really enjoying the way this setup is. And frankly, you know, the, the talk has been that they really need to start hitting the pace going into the mid point of the story. I kind of feel after watching you know, episode one, two, three, and four that maybe this should have been two stories instead of one whole story. Maybe going one through five, finishing up with five, and then picking up the aftermath of Miracle Day going into the sixth through tenth. Um, instead of trying to stretch just this one story out, or I would have been happier if we would have made this a regular Torchwood series where we had ten separate episodes mm -hmm. and right. have a, a small arc. Like, for example, mm -hmm. um, in season two where we have um, Jack's brother Gray being the arc and, yeah. um, and that one. And, you know, with my podcast, I usually do a monthly one. Um, one of the things we're going to be focusing on is Torchwood. So I'm going back through the old episodes. I just got done with season one, and I'm on the second episode of season two now. So I'm well, going back through Torchwood and reviewing all of it. Robert, you bring up a good point, one that, that, um, that I had intended to make as well, was comparing this to Children on Earth, where it's five episodes that were told in an overall story, I think worked very well. And I'm not sure doing that on a 10-episode span works as as well because i remember going back two years ago with children of earth being on the edge of my seat at the end of each episode not you know couldn't wait to see the tomorrow's episode and i'm not feeling that now and not to say that i'm i'm not liking the torchwood miracle day but it's just i am not at that level where i was with children of earth where um i think you could tell a story in five episodes in a miniseries stretching it out to 10 I was thinking um, the same thing that I think you just made a point of where um, I think maybe this might have worked better it doing episodic stories which you know having each episode telling its own story but having an overall arc leading to a bigger story like you made a reference to series two with with Grey something maybe maybe a little stronger than that where the overall arc is more penetrating but having you, you couldn't really take one of these episodes out of the series and watch it stand alone without the others you know because it's it is very much a part a piece of an overall story i, I don't know if that 
is going to, you know, because like you said, with the pacing is different and it's um, some people, I, I might be complaining that, that it's not picking, you know, the pacing isn't there. And maybe you can have that pacing with five episodes with Children of Earth, because like I said, I was on the edge of my seat during that. And I don't find myself the same doing the same with this series. But that was well, so the dark. Problem is you guys so throw failures in to eat up the time. Um, you're going to have more filler and less plot as each one goes on until you get to your, you know, to your end where the climax. you will get more plot. Yeah. Uh, but Go the ahead, David. No, 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 no. That um, the five day of the Children of Earth that was so intense that the actual compression of doing it five days in a run absolutely, uh, you know, concentrated the, the 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 darkness and the depth and so on. And it was almost too dark a place. Um, Podshock's very own Ken Deva, I think, said uh, he loved uh, Torch with Children on Earth, but he's not likely to go and watch it again soon because it was such a, an, you know, an emotional, uh, quite a very dark journey yeah. that, um, you know, you almost have to uh, grit your teeth and think, well, can I stomach watching it again? I mean, I thought it was absolutely fabulous must-watch TV, mm -hmm. you know, really top of its game. And some people, of course, then said that Torchwood should end there. They, they can't better that. Um, but one of the things I felt when I watched that Children's Earth, I was thinking, oh, my God, three episodes down. There's only two more to go. Um, so um, the other part of me says, well, I want ten episodes rather than five. Uh, obviously, you can't expect people to commit ten days on the run, um, modern life just doesn't do that and I think it was a big ask to ask people to do five days committed on the run but the point is it, that really hooked you shook you by the neck put you in the spin dryer uh, did everything to you I mean um, absolutely phenomenal and intense what? I think this is especially that line where Gwen says where's the doctor at Towards yeah. the end of Children well, of Earth. Well, well, yeah. well, we've got to be careful just in case somebody hasn't seen Children. They might be yeah. coming to Torchwood for the first time. This might be their first experience of Torchwood. So I think uh, Lewis will probably say that we, we shouldn't really assume that they've seen that one. But the point is that this one, 10 episodes, they've got to take a slightly different thing. And I think just prior to you coming on board, I think I said in the case of that, the only way they can do it is by having more layers to this. Uh, very intense, though, Children of Earth was. The actual basic plot when he got down to it was just one malevolent type of plot, wasn't it? Here we've got to see, you know, you know, is it is it um, a corrupt government? Is it corrupt drug companies? Is it uh, an alien presence? Is it something that you know, lightning hit Captain Jack and transferred his powers. You know, we don't know. So. Well, well um, Dave, you had mentioned Ken Deep before. I know he's a fan of, um, oh, um, oh, what was that series called? I want to believe, you know, with uh, with um, X-Files. X-Files, thank you. <laughs> and they've done... Um, How long it's been since we forget. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my mind is a, a sift sometimes. So, uh, but... 
you know, they had some series, some seasons where it was an overall like story arc. But again, each episode was sort of contained in itself where they told a, a story within an episode that maybe led you more to, you know, gave you more information and told more of the overall story arc that led you to um, a, the bigger story. And I thought I think maybe that might be uh, better suited for 10 episodes of Torchwood, you know, where here you're just telling one story in 10 episodes. It's, it, it does kind of as we just said, draw it out and maybe, you know, there's more filler material and more layers that have to be layered on, but which is fine. But are you going to retain the audience, you know, by doing that? Are are you still going to keep their attention or are they going to just get bored with this whole, you know, okay, we get that people aren't dying and and all that. I mean, I, it's, it's, I'm sorry. Bringing up season five from, um, X-Files is the season where they threw the movie in as well. Mm -hmm. And so what they did was they carried the arc not just from the series itself, but also in the movie itself. You still get the arc um, going into season five um, with the little boy in that movie from the the series Mm -hmm. X-Files as well. So. Well, and and that yeah. sort of worked for them, I think. I, I don't know whether or not... I, I think maybe that's where they could have gone or should have gone with this. The other thing I feel is that... I know you had made a comparison that you said that episode two of, of Miracle Day seemed more like Torchwood than episode one. I mm-hmm. I had felt that episode one had more of a... Um, of the British feel to it. It had more... It, it reminded me more of a, a nicely balanced episode between American television and British television, where I think anything, everything after that has been, especially this episode, and, and well, actually the last two episodes as well, has a very American television feel to it. And perhaps, you know, that's just because it's located in the U.S. now and there's no avoiding it. But it just seems, it seems like maybe there's something more. It's it just, the, the overall feeling I get is that it seems like an American television show that has two characters from that Torchwood series that I loved that was made in the UK or in this tele- this American television show now where in episode one I felt it was more like a balance between Torchwood of old and, and this and, and incorporating like American television making into it as well and maybe because um, I'm, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure about the current director who's um, um, Billy Gearhart, if he's a a U.S. or a Brit, I'm not sure. I know the first episode was was um, I think directed by a, a British director, and maybe that's why it had that that still had that feel to it. Um, this seems very American to me, and I'm not saying that is good or bad. It's just different. Well, like I said, I, I listen to different podcasts, Lewis, and um, there's a couple. Um, I usually enjoy listening to ones the uh, DWO Who cast, which, or the Torch cast, I mean, which they really seem to be enjoying this. And there's another one, which is the America one, which is tuning into sci-fi, which they've been watching Torchwood, and you can see the difference between the two podcasts. Um, one thing that they made mention, the um, tuning into sci-fi one, was um, how they feel that the when they are in America, it's more filler, but when they go back to Wales, it seems to have more plot, more adventure in that one. Now, I don't know if you two have been feeling that way about that or not. Well, they haven't been in Wales that much, except for the, the scenes with uh, Reese and, and the baby and, and now Reese at the hospital with the father. That, that's the extent of it, the last three episodes, as far as um, them being in, in Wales. 
Yes, uh, they just have the phone calls back to... Uh, but, to uh, but I think maybe this goes to something else. Um, as far as the difference between maybe U.S. fans... Oh, I mean, when I say U.S. fans, I'm talking about fans of the series from the beginning, not, not new fans that are just discovering it now. Um, U.S. fans compared to U.K. fans. And when I say U.S., I, I should also include Canada and Australia as well. Uh, those, I think one of the things that we like about Torchwood, and this goes to Doctor Who as well, is the fact that it's British. You know, and that, that's part of the mm -hmm. we, we wouldn't want Doctor Who to be um, to be Americanized and we don't want torture to be Americanized. Now, um, I, as I said, I thought the first episode had a balance there and I was hoping that that balance would continue through the rest of the series. And then when episode two came out, I said, oh, well, this seems very much like a typical American television episode. Uh, and then episode three felt the same way and episode four now feels the same way and i'm hoping that we'll get more of that british flavor and, and i don't even know if it's just because of the setting but it just seems the style of how show how the, the style of british television making compared to american television making i think is different and somehow i i'm sensing that this is an american show now as opposed to having that style of of um of a british television series Oh, I agree, saying... because you can tell the difference between um, season one and two of Torchwood and um, Children of Earth and to Miracle Day, where, and this is the thing I really do not like, and uh, I don't know how other people may feel about this, is Captain Jack seems to be a secondary character so far in this series. Well, he's been neutered, hasn't he? He's been, well, yeah. in the sense of his... Uh, you know the the focus. Uh, we did mm. talk about that a little bit, didn't we? At yeah, least, uh, yeah. But you have a point. One. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that uh, he's been neutered. He's not the all powerful centre uh, of which around everything involves. I think it might have even been Darth on the first episode that talked about it. Well, it's, it's, he um, has this rivalry with Rex, and it seems like Rex is is uh, competing. The character now Rex is competing um, with the character of Jack being the forefront of this series. And, it, and sometimes it, it, it does feel like even though Rex complains that he should be leading this operation and he should be in control, it seems to, in, in some cases, it seems like he is the, the main character sometimes um, over, over Captain well, Jack. Well, the, 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 the other thing, the reason for that is because Rex doesn't think that Jack's, what Jack says he can do is real. Yeah. You know, he thinks he's uh, to use an American phrase, bullshit on that one. Uh, basically, mm. he's, um, because he doesn't think that Captain Jack can live all these years and have all these things. He's just, he just think he's, he's, you know, he's, must be this British humour they talk about, you know. Yeah, I don't know if this goes to uh, humanizing Captain Jack more now, you know, making him more frail, and uh, and maybe that's part of it as well. Uh, but he does seem to be uh, not to be in the forefront as he was in the previous two series, a uh, three series. Well, what's the interesting thing is if we remember about series one, series two, Torchwood, how during that time towards the end where um, Jack gets the signal of the Doctor coming by, of course. We had the running theme of the hand, mm -hmm. you know, going through season one because, you know, that goes back to Christmas Invasion where the doctor lost his hand and somehow Jack found it and it was in that glass for season one and gets the signal from the doctor and then he's offered his um, utopia, um, Sound of Drums and Last of the Time Lord three-parter there. And then he comes back in season two and Gwen 
seemed to have taken over um, in season, you know, the first episode of season two. And then Jack reinserts himself. And then the second episode of season two, Jack seems to be more in control. It seems that Jack is not inserting himself in this one to overtake Rex. It's pretty much like, well, I'm going to take a back seat and let Rex run the show, which is very un-Captain Jack-like. Yeah, but uh, when Cybob was put in the uh, text, thanks, Cybob, he's becoming irrelevant. But I would argue that in actual fact... Uh, he's still powerless, but he's becoming more relevant from that statement that you know the hitman that's mm-hmm. hitman that's been sent basically not to to kill him. Uh, rather gruesome character. The I mean uh, uh, the the chap he had in the car, the security expert said, "Look, there is a password. There's a way in. You don't need to you know you don't need to mutilate me to get in." But he still seemed to enjoy doing it. Um, so I think. I think Jack's coming back to being more central now with that what did you do for them, Jack? But he's in central but not powerful. He's becoming, you know, um, the pawn in the game almost. Uh, Oswald Baines looks as though he was losing power. He's reasserted himself. I mean, there are lots of power games going on and um, we may be coming to a point in this podcast today where we might be just repeating ourselves if we overanalyze it anymore. And um, the point is, there's definitely enough for me to keep watching. Uh, I, I'm I'm thinking they're revealing just enough each week to, to keep my interest going. I like the longer run because, although I love Children of Earth, the five, I, I think ten episodes, I don't think you're going along with ten with this format. Mm. Uh, if, it, if it had been a you know the American you know twenty two episodes of Smallville or something, I think it would have been very difficult to sustain it. But I think ten they've got a, they've got a good chance. Maybe a compromise of eight would have been better. In hindsight, we'll know that when we get to the end. But um, if you well, know, this I series think... is pretty much made into Children of Earth in a sense that what we're running here at Miracle Day is the opposite of Children of Earth, whereas we. We had to tie in with aliens and children and the children well, of Earth. Again, one. I'm not and this one we have, well, that one. we have to tie in with the people in this series instead of the children. It's the people um, that are being controlled with, you know, living kind of. I would you say living forever? Well, that's but what we're led really to believe healing. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because they're not really healing. I, I mean, that was part of Captain Jack. Um, um, power was not only has he lived, you know, longer, but he's also been able to heal um, in an instance. And you saw that from the first episode mm-hmm. of season but, one of Torchwood. Uh, of course, it was referenced as well here that people still are going to age. I mean, we had that where they had that uh, hat arm, didn't we, last week, where they, mm-hmm. they're testing the um, those niotites or whatever, the, those cell caps on the end that determine how many times the cells can divide and they were shortening uh, the idea meaning that you know people are going to age so it's all right saying you live forever when you're all in your 20s 30s 40s and maybe even dare i say your 60s but if everybody's 453 you know how do you even feed yourself yeah you well that's the whole thing you, you'll be decrepitive and, and 
it seems as far as healing goes, and I think Dave made a point of this in the previous episode that we did, was that those that that are injured that would heal naturally, regardless of, of this miracle day, you know, happening before this, they would have healed anyway. So that type of healing will go on. But anything that's, you know, obviously, if you if you exploded or whatever, if you can't just naturally heal, you're just going to stay in that set, that state and of decrepitude, you know. You know, and and here you know, and we see at the end here the the, the very closing shot. Uh, well, not the very closing, but towards the end of this episode, where the, um, that politician's who name I can't remember is um, is crushed in the car. The camera goes into the car, into the crushed car, and we see that she's still alive in there, just crushed. You know, and so and and here we know that you know without death, death now is. Um, it's it's worse than death you know you're in a in a living death you and and that's um a fate worse than death is is um you know being mortally injured and and not dead well, well let i kind of agree with what people brought up with um the way this series has been going and that captain jack is somehow involved in this to where maybe something is pulling the power from Jack and distributing over the world where everybody is receiving partial power of what Jack has and doing the opposite to Jack, making him uh, mortal. Because, you know, we come and think about it, you know, all the Doctor Who's and all the Torchwoods that we've seen with Captain Jack that we know he has a vortex in him. And so maybe someone is ciphering off that vortex of Captain Jack's his life force, so to say, and distributing around the world. But they're not getting the total benefits of what Captain Jack had or had, so far as we know. Hmm. Well, um, I'm about. Uh, oh, I can't even spell weevils. I <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say because I don't think I've got a lot more to add now. Yeah, but we're going to wrap things four, up. Four, yeah, four weevils out of five for me. I think. And Robert, what would you give it? If I go for all four stories, I would say probably a four out of five for just this particular episode. Um, probably about a three and a half out of five. We will so. Okay. So far, good. the the um, series seems to be going pretty well. I think pacing will hopefully pick up as they add more plot to the story. We'll just have to wait and see on it. And you had mentioned that you do a podcast as well. What um, Can you let our listeners know what podcast that is and how they can find it? Yeah, it's um, Doctor Who Review Today show. And it is... Um, try to get all my information together. It's on TalkShoe um, and it's also on iTunes as well. Um I usually do a monthly podcast called the DWRT Monthly um, with um, Graham Sheridan. And uh, like I said, in the month of August, we'll be doing the Torchwood overview. We hadn't set a date yet, but we'll let people know as soon as the date is set up. Um, the ID number, of course, is 22756 for that. But uh, and, I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to come on and Oh, well, thank you. Thank you today. for chiming in. We, um, we're delighted to hear your take on it. We've got Captain no Rum giving it three weevils, and we've got Cybob three and a half weevils out of five. 
Right, well, I, um, well, I'm sure the other listeners have dropped off now and they haven't left the ratings. So. Well, first, I want to thank Robert once again. And um, so hopefully you can join us maybe next week when we will be reviewing. Uh, what's the name of next week's episode? I don't even. The Categories of Life. All right. So episode five will be re- same time. We're, uh, well, first, let me say goodbye to Robert and then I'll go on to what I <laughs> was going to say. So thanks again, Robert. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye. And uh, just uh, as I mentioned in our last episode, we are heading towards the towards the end of this month. We're going to be competing with well, or Doctor Who Pachak is going to come back with live episodes reviewing the new Doctor Who episodes that are starting on August twenty seventh. So on the twenty eighth, Doctor Who Pachak will be in this time slot doing the live review of. Let's Kill Hitler, which is the next episode of Doctor Who Pachak, which is uh, which is the next episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> coming out on the 27th on BBC America, and we assume that it'll be on BBC as well that same day. If it's the, if they're going to continue the same date um, transmission, Dave, have they has BBC let on if they're coming on coming back on the 27th? Yes, I think it has, and. Um... Uh, I think, if I may, there's some news that Benjamin Elliott put up about BBC America and Doctor Who programming you might want uh, your listeners to hear about. Yeah, something um, um, concerning uh, they're doing some sort of best of Doctor Who? Or yeah, yeah, on the uh, the 13th of, Saturday the 13th of August, 9pm, best of the Doctor special. Saturday the 20th of August, 9pm, best of the Monsters. And then the 26th of August... They're doing a Series 6 marathon. And then uh, Saturday the 27th at 9pm, they're doing the Let's Kill Hitler episode that you talked about. And then uh, Saturday the 27th, 9.50, straight after that, the best of the companions. So uh, BBC America has got an awful lot on there, obviously building the excitement up to the start of uh, the second Mm. half of Series 6. So, but getting back to what I was saying about the, our programming here on the twenty eighth, which is a Sunday, we'll uh, at four p.m. we'll be doing Doctor Who Pachak live. So, which means we can't do Hitchhikers unless I can divide myself and be host the two shows at once. <laughs> we'll have to move Hitchhikers Guide to the Galaxy review of Tortured Miracle Day to uh, that same day. Probably uh, we have to push it ahead or or up or wherever uh, to like uh, 7 p.m., which is kind of late for those in the U.K. I, I know that. I, I don't know if um right now, as far as the people that I've been calling into the show have all have not been U.K. residents so far. So as far as the live show itself goes, I'm not sure if that's going to play a if that's going to affect the show at all, because uh, at least those that have been calling in haven't been so far, haven't been in the UK. So I don't know. I know that might be tough on Dave, though, you know, as far as time well, goes. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it does go at that time, um, but if we can perhaps keep it to an hour, uh, yeah. that might be OK. Might OK. Be doable. All right. Well, tentatively, that's what we're doing right now. So this show will move to 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And we'll, this way we can do Doctor Who Pachak and have a little break between the two live shows and then come back with Striker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. All right. Well, Dave, once again, I want to thank you for your help. And it's been excellent chatting with you and talking about Tortured Miracle Day. And um, Enjoyed it. 
Yeah. And it, I also remind everyone that you can catch Dave on the Cultum Collective, which is um, on every Sunday right before this at 2 p.m. on TalkShoe. And it's also available on iTunes. And Dave, why don't you remind everyone the call ID and, and how to find the Cultum Collective? Yes, certainly will. It's um, TalkShoe ID 54821, 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We're just conclude. Well, we're, we've just done two... Uh, episodes on Harry Potter actually so next Sunday we're concluding about the final two years of Harry Potter years six or seven but that then covers the films three films because the Deathly Hallows of course was films seven and eight so we'll be doing that but we are discussing the books as well and actually in two Sundays time we will be doing a a Torchwood series mid-season review because we because of Lewis doing this, we haven't done it weekly, so we're just going to do a mid-season review. Mm-hmm. Of course, we will be likewise on Let's Kill Hitler on the 28th. Yep, and we have a blog at cultum.com. Fantastic. And I just realized I forgot to give my Weevil rating for for this episode, oh, yeah. Escape to L.A. I'm going to give it three out of five Weevils. And uh, again, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I just, I, just overall, I'm feeling it's very... Uh, typical American television feel to it and I, I I miss that element of of UK television that I found you know that that I find in Torchwood the previous series hopefully that might change in upcoming episodes I, I'm still like I said I'm still enjoying it but I miss that UK flavor that that it seems to be missing it, it like I said it seems like two characters from Torchwood are in this new American series that I'm watching and enjoying but I still miss Torchwood if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. All right. Well, we'll be back next week at the same time for the time being until Dr. Hugh resumes. So we'll be back next week reviewing episode five of Tortured Miracle Day. Hope you can join us. Until then, cheers, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. You can send feedback to feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com. To support this podcast, please visit ArtTrap.com and click on the donate button. It's the only way we can bring you this show. You can also visit the shop there for your Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi swag, and which includes shirts, mugs, and assorted trinkets with the show's logo. It does help support the show. If you're not already a listener, please be sure to listen to Doctor Who Podchock. It's the Doctor Who podcast that we also do. You can find it at podchock.net or gallifrandembassy.org. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions. Visit arttrap.com for more on this and other podcasts.